Hello, good evening, and welcome to Turning a Moment into a Movement. My name is Jay Love, and I represent the Justice for Gerard movement. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, Gerard is my son, just in case, you know, this is your first time joining in. Gerard is my son, and he was wrongfully incarcerated for a crime he didn't do. Innocent, didn't do the crime, didn't know anything about the crime, and he ended up going to prison for two years wrongfully. So, and um, as I went through that journey with Gerard, um, I felt like this, you know, although I'm a mother and I'm so concerned about my son, but there were so many other mothers that I met along this journey. And so that birthed this moment, um, turning a moment into a movement where we come every Friday at 6 p.m. just to educate and um, bring awareness to wrongful convictions and injustice. So today is actually October the 1st, of course, and tomorrow, October the 2nd, is Wrongful Conviction Day. So this is like a pre-show for Wrongful Conviction Day. And um, so we're going to talk about wrongful convictions, but we also have a summit, and we're going to bring in um, one of our panel members who's going to tell you all about the summit, the Wrongful Conviction Summit tomorrow. And um, she's going to introduce herself, and then we're going to take it to that from there. Uh, we're going to take it from there. All right. So, hi, Trisha. Hello, Jay, and everybody. How are you? 
you know what? I'm blessed. One word. I'm I'm blessed right. and grateful uh, to be here with everybody, and um, really excited about tonight's show and the guests that you have lined up for the panel. Uh, always happy to be talking about justice. We yeah. don't like injustice, right? right. See, we channel our energy in a different way. I just was telling somebody the other day, I'm going to stop saying injustice is injustice that. No, I'm going to say justice because I'm setting my expectation yes. for what I want to see. Right. Um, so just excited. <laughs> and um, did you say talk about the summit now or wait? Yeah, we can talk about the summit now. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so excited about tomorrow. It's our annual Runful Conviction Summit. Uh, we are going to be at WC3D Northwest Campus over off Outer Drive West and Southfield Freeway. And uh, we're just grateful for the partnerships, especially with WC3D, who opened up their doors to us. And so we're grateful for that. But most of all, we are grateful just for everyone coming together, like-minded individuals. We have organizations. We have exonerees. We have the families. We have our legislators. We are all coming together with a thoughtful conversation. You know, but we're kind of tired of talking, right? We want to see some results. And so what we're doing is putting our heads together and thinking about some things that we can do to be strategic. And we need all hands on deck. So we hope to, you will be there with us on tomorrow from 12 to 4 p.m. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited about the summit. Yeah, me <laughs> so too. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope, you know, you guys come and join us because you're going to meet so many people. You'll get to network with um, people. Uh, you'll hear stories. You can tell your stories and you can get some valuable information. So join us. So we're going to add, um, welcome in, Reverend Tia. Well, hello there. How are you? Hey, hey. I'm so glad to be here. And Trisha, I got to get one of those t-shirts. Show them again. Come on, come on. Yes, everywhere exonerate. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you, God. Yes. God. Uh-oh, oh, she's got more. Be a yes. Be a threat. <laughs> yes, because listen, if you if you're sitting there silent, if you if you're not if you're gonna be silent, pray. Pray. If you're gonna be silent, pray. <laughs> pray. Put some money where your mouth is, where your prayers are. Put your money where your intentions are. Yes, yes. Okay. You know, this is time that we align our intentions. That's right. With our ethics, with our standards. So I'm Reverend Tia Littlejohn. I'm so glad to be here today. And I, you know, aside from participating in our spiritual community, being effective in the community as a whole, we're not supposed to just go to church on Sunday and just let that be it. We have got to demonstrate what God has told us to do. I don't care where your spiritual community is. The main thing is love yes, and forgiveness yes. and peace. Yes. And if you are not doing that in the community, what's the sense of going? <laughs> if you're not going to put it into action. Yes. And right now, human rights is at risk and it has been at risk and we have been complacent. Yeah. People are out here sleepwalking not realizing what's going on. And we have people who are incarcerated. 
We have lawyers that are incarcerated. We have doctors that are incarcerated. We have people incarcerated. Somebody's husband is up there incarcerated. They don't even know they got a husband that's there incarcerated. Mm. Tell me that that's when you look at the numbers worldwide. And when you when you study, you know, I'm working on this doctorate. And as I look at incarceration and prisons worldwide. And it's sad. It's a sad situation when you look outside of this country and realize that what they say, what are they saying? Oh, well, that's we can't even really justify those numbers that that's unique to the United States. Mm. You know what's unique to the United States? Racism, mm -hmm. classism, mm. isms, the isms. Yes. All of the isms. And I'm not saying that that you know, that other isms don't exist all over the world. But what I am saying is that if we are supposed to be so enlightened <laughs> and educated, at some point, racism should not only be ignorant, but it is also insane. Yes. And it needs a diagnostic code. And you should not be able to carry a weapon or drive a vehicle because you are insane. <laughs> and so some of these things are happening, continue to happen because we have not changed the mindset of those people who are calling or making the rules. Mm -hmm. And we haven't realized our own power about the rules. We get to decide who sits in office. Yes. Yes, Revitia. <laughs> and so it's time. It's time. Uh, I am so glad to be here. I'm excited about tomorrow's event. I will be there early. Yes, yes. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. I'm putting it out again. <laughs> I, I need one of them t-shirts. And we're going <laughs> to, you know what, because I believe that, listen, we are created for this right now. Right. The time is now. Yeah. It's our time. It's yeah. our time to make change. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you. Attorney Hugo Mack, hello, how are you? Much love and respect, my leader. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm blessed. You know, <laughs> Reverend Tia and, you know, my cousin, sister, everything, you know, Tashay, very <laughs> excited about tomorrow, what it means, but it's just the beginning, you know, yes. it's just the beginning because for us, we see it every day on the news, you know, the, the attack on not just civil rights, but human rights, human mm -hmm. rights. And so, you know, one of the things that we need to continue doing, and, and by the way, my name is Hugo Mack, uh, criminal defense attorney, amongst other things, uh, want to be civil rights activist, trying to improve the lot uh, while the Lord still has me here, you know, and, 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 and want to make it better. I got a special place in my heart for the wrongly convicted and the overly convicted. You know, that's why I keep pushing the discussion. I understand wrongful conviction, a victim of it myself. But, you know, who better to teach than those that have been in the situation? You yes. see what I'm saying? So, but, you know, it, it's too easy when I talk to people to try to dismiss the wrongfully convicted. I say, well, the percentages are, are relatively small. You don't know that. You don't know that. It wouldn't be so small if it was your mom or daddy in there. It wouldn't right. be small in. And as I said before, over 2 million people in this country, 2 million people under state, federal jurisdiction, jails, and penitentiaries. And even if we say 90%, 
90% is just, which it is not, over 200,000 people are incarcerated on a mm -hmm. wrongful conviction, yeah. on a wrongful conviction. And as I said last time, graphics are very important. 200,000 people is a Michigan stadium on a Saturday afternoon for the Ohio State football game and the Michigan State football game. Now, yes. you, you tell me those numbers are insignificant when you want the people up in there. It's not insignificant then. And right. so, and, 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 and another one of my pleas and my cries is for the overly convicted, okay? The overly convicted. They are victims also, pressured mm -hmm. because of plea agreements or pressured because of overcharging, going in front of juries that are not representative of the community, juries that are all too often willing to say they wouldn't be here unless they did something wrong. And, you know, these are the things we fight every day. The systemic racism. When you tell a person that has paid their debt to society, whether they owed it or not, I might add, the debt was paid. And you tell that person in the state of Michigan, you're not worthy to be on a jury? Really? Really? So what you're telling me is you're going to stigmatize me long after I paid my debt because you really don't want me rehabilitated. If you wanted me rehabilitated, you'd allow me full integration back in society. And right. you won't do it. You won't do it with housing. You won't do it with education. You won't do it with transportation. You won't do it with a, with a fair job opportunity for me. You know, you you won't do it in any of those regards and still try to castigate me and say, well, it's your responsibility uh, for what you did. Don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Well, I guess with, with historical bent, I guess if we're going back to do that, I don't know if it's right for people to have come here from a foreign land and massacred the indigenous people that were here took their land, raped their women, took all their resources, bought millions of people over from Africa, took them, you know, where there were kings and queens and scholars there and made them uh, slaves and uh, servants here of all manner and got the nerve to still be prejudiced. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock, like Malcolm said. Plymouth Rock landed on us. So this is where we're coming from. And, and God bless you. I'm Hugo Mack and I'm proud to be here. Thank you, Attorney Hugo Mack. I'm proud that you're here. Oh, I see that shirt, Trisha. <laughs> hey, Allie. Hey, just admiring that shirt. <laughs> Introduce yourself. Yes, I'm Alexandria. I am a civil rights and mental health activist, also a firm believer that a woman's body is not a group obsession. And I am happy to be here. I'm excited for the Wrongful Conviction Summit. It is so many things that needs to be talked about. And I feel like this is the perfect platform. We got people that's going to be outside. And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a beautiful day. I'm seeing it's not going to be rainy. And I know I, for one, am happy about that, considering Yay. how the summer has been. Um, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this this topic, I feel like it's definitely not talked about enough. Um, Every time I see someone wrongfully convicted, you know, being released from jail, it's it's heartbreaking. And I always wonder how many more people, uh, if anyone's making comments about it, it's not that many. That is very inappropriate um, and super disrespectful to the families that are harmed. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, wrongfully convicted and uh, how Hugo said overly convicted. Yeah. There's people who got a sentence of like 100 years for something they was accused of, like, well, you stole her purse or like just something silly um, since they were kids and you can't pay that back. Like, you know, there's a lot of bad karma um, that's coming to this country because of things like that. It, it's It's been so many cases where 
people did not do something or barely did anything and were just overly convicted. Um, and America has to make that up some way. The powers to be those that are uh, in, a, in city government and state, federal, that has to be made up. You can't create these policies for a better future, but not help those that came from the past and are still here. Like that, that doesn't make any sense. You have to right both wrongs. Um, and I'm happy uh, we'll be talking about that this weekend. Yes, I'm happy you're here today too. So we have a new panel, uh, a guest panelist um, this evening. Uh, I don't see him, but I'm gonna click on and see if he's gonna come in. Hello, the white Harris. Hi. <laughs> we can't hear you, Dwight. Can, Can you, you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you hear me now? Yes. So I In said I was driving. I'm legal. <laughs> I don't want y'all saying I'm, I am I got my hand on the steering wheel. Okay. I'm on my way to end, too. So we just had some things I had to do. So, but hi, how everybody doing? We're great. Introduce yeah. yourself. My name is Dwight Harris, founder, president of Icon 10. I'm an advocate. I've been an advocate for, I want to say, probably 10 years now. Uh, I advocate. Um, I, I'm inclusive. I'm uh, diverse. I'm about community. And I believe we need to change the culture. Uh, not just judicial, but we need to change our whole culture. We've been doing this thing since the 60s, the same thing over and over again. And it's like this is a new civil rights movement when we talk about wrongful conviction. And like uh, the attorney Mack was saying, not just wrongful conviction, but just, uh, uh, just incorrect sentences and over sentences and just uh, wrongfully incarcerated. I did 25 years in prison. A lot of people forget that when I speak, um, because I never, I didn't do no time. And the way I did my time is, is, is a story in itself. However, um, a lot of our brothers coming home, as well as myself, we suffer from a lot of the trauma that we went through through that school to prison pipeline. I'm, uh, my roots, I'm a young boy. I came up a young boy incorporated here. That's my family, that was my life. From number street, so I'm from all I'm from the streets, and uh, I had to change. And I can say today, I probably had like nine months of therapy throughout my whole life of uh, criminality, as well as uh, all the trauma. And I've never been uh, sit down and counseled or anything. So a lot of brothers that come home are affected uh, in ways. Maybe I I may not have been affected, but we all are affected in some kind of way and we need treatment. And uh, to add to that was that we must keep in mind that research tells us today that those sentences in the way that we were treated then was inhumanly, it was unjust, uh, especially with dealing with juvenile. We were all kids that committed these crimes and some of the children they uh convicted them for something that they didn't do 
So it was all a part of the school and prison pipeline, whether they get somebody for doing it or getting somebody that they they made up the facts and say that they did it. So we're dealing with the same civil rights that we were dealing with in the 60s today. And it's because those leaders and advocates at that time, they were looking for other things. And when you look at the, res the residual of the 60s today, where people was just trying to get money for organizations. So as long as we get away from that, and uh, uh, this platform here is uh, community-based and it's based on uh, passion and commitment and everybody is is linked to this or some kind of way with their heart so it ain't just the business and it ain't just the education to have us here we're here because we have a passion to do it so i applaud you to be on this platform i'm on the platform as a person that did that time and i know what your loved ones going through and all those is in there whether they did it or not i know what they're going through and they're, they're suffering and so hopefully these platforms which i see today is uh helpful and that we continue to do what we do to make things better for those brothers in prison and their families out here as well thank you yes you're right thank you we're gonna bring on our first guest hello i can't oh you muted Unmute your mic, Mr. Sartre. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Everybody, doing? how are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's just been a busy week for us. Um, we got a brother that's having his one year anniversary um, at seven o'clock, so it's just busy, like really busy. You know, it's, I'm blessed that it's busy um, because we're doing the right thing. You know, and we should have a lot of work. Um, because we have a lot of, of our opinions to put out there because like we never had a voice. Um, so, you know, I just welcome it um, and just got to stay fit for it. That's all, you know. Tell everybody what you do and you know, who you are, Aaron. <laughs> okay. Um, I couldn't really hear you. Um, you know, I was having problems last time with the right. Wi-Fi. Um, so I had borrowed somebody um, iPad okay so i couldn't really hear you so if i had to ask you um you know just probably repeat it for me i appreciate it okay so can you introduce yourself and tell everybody what it is that you do because you do some awesome work thank you so much and i just greatly appreciate it um my name is aaron salter i am the founder well, yeah, and executive director of innocence maintained um, Innocence Maintained was founded in 2018, and this program was designed to assist exonerees in every walk of life. Um, because when I came home, because I did 15 years, um, it was exonerated by the Conviction Integrity Unit um, through the Federal Defender's Office, um, assisting me as counsel. And when I came home, it was like no resources, um, it's like everybody was disconnected. It's like exonerees was kind of like alienated um, themselves from other people. Um, and I just brought this organization um, along with my brother, Dwight Harris. Um, we brought this organization to be able to have a voice for these guys 
um, to be able to assist in programming because they had these guys actually um, re-entering society um, with the parolees. You know, it's nothing wrong with that, but you know, when a guy already suffered enough trauma um, behind being um, wrongfully convicted, mm -hmm. like we feel like it's a different adjustment um, period for these guys. Uh, one of the, for instance, that I may have is you might have a, a parolee that maybe uh, would do CDL training or a certain type of training like that. Whereas a Zonaree, his um, training may be um, business, you know what I mean? It might be areas that he really going to go into um, versus just like temporary jobs because a lot of these guys actually fund their own projects. Um, through the money that, you know, they're being um, set aside for compensation, you know. So it's a beautiful thing, though. But we just got to realize that these guys are different. I am different. Um, everything, though. You know, we got a lot of things to add to the world right. um, because we wasn't supposed to be there. But we still experienced what we experienced, you know right. what I mean, and came out of it with a clean record. Right. So it's like you can't hold anything against us, you know right. what I mean? So we got to have our own um, basically like return to citizens program. And that's what my organization is trying to do is to be able to put these guys on solid and firm ground. Um, I have a housing project. Right now the program is Fresh Start program. And what we're doing is we're trying to house guys immediately um, at the prison. You know, it's like a gap of like six to maybe eight months before a guy get compensated, whereas he's just out here in the world trying to figure it out. You know, we want these guys to figure it out with housing. We want these guys to figure it out with jobs. We want these guys to figure it out with the proper education um, and send them off right, you know, because we haven't been sent off right. Right. Um, so, you know, it's a big job. It's yeah. a big job because it wasn't not anything done for Zona Reeves um, in 2018, other than a housing bill um, that was entered into legislative. Wow. Thank you for that info. Um, I'm going to go over. I didn't see Larry, so I'm going to go to Attorney Payne. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I am great. How are you? Um, awesome. Introduce yes. yourself, Attorney Payne. Well, my name is uh, Attorney Dorfine Payne. Um, I am, um, and it's really good to see all of you. I'm an attorney practicing here in Michigan. Um, I see my daughter, Tia, <laughs> and, and, and my brother-in-law, Attorney Hugo Mack. <laughs> <laughs> And Alexandria Trichet, um, and Jay Love, of course. Um, and, and it's so good to see uh, Mr. Harris and Mr. Salter. It's so good to see you home and productive and giving back just as God intended you to be. Uh, so I'm, I'm, and I'm excited to be here. Um, I, I, um, wow. I've been listening and I, I too, uh, my family is engaged, not just in criminal law because I'm an attorney, but because I have a son who was um, convicted and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole uh, 26 years ago. Um, 
and and um I believe the devil is a lie. I know he's coming home. I am a mother of hope. And I I believe that um I I know that and I dance in advance of his return. And every day we my husband and I do that. So I I uh I, I am looking forward to it, but it's it's a difficult thing walking through this with him. Yeah. Um uh and we uh and I and I look back and I see all the mistakes that were made in his case and know that people who are wrongfully convicted and through my own experiences, people are wrongfully convicted uh, for so many reasons. Uh, one is because they probably didn't know their rights and were somehow um, jobbed by the police uh, when they were picked up, uh, when they were being interrogated uh, for all of those things, why they were being picked up. And then and, and I, what I'm talking about now is an institutional, structural, systemic, racist system that, that walks through it. If you're black, I don't care if you're a lawyer, a doctor, a brother on the street, um, BYI, uh, 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 I mean, YMI, you know, no, YBI, no matter who you are, uh, judges, black judges in Kalamazoo get stopped and, and profiled. Uh, it just doesn't matter. We are treated the same. Uh, and, and no matter what socioeconomic uh, stratosphere we're in, no matter where we are, no matter what, we are target. And it's not safe for us. Um, so all of us have to protect all of our rights. Yes. Um, it's not enough that I worry about my son like all of you worry about your family members. We have to worry about all of us. Right. Um, when you walk through that system, you're jobbed by the police, you're jobbed by the prosecutor, who is probably the worst of all, uh, your, your job by sometimes your own defense attorney um, that's supposed to be standing up for you and is just somehow trying to tick off the boxes and get through the day. Uh, not, uh, and dehumanizing you to the point the entire system doesn't see you as a human being. Mm -hmm. uh, they see us um, as uh, just one of a group. Right. Uh, it's disturbing yes. um, and it's disturbing to watch and it's disturbing to uh, not participate in because I don't do that to fight against. It's exhausting to fight against it every single day. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I, I, um, I think that we do have to continue to fight. We are, uh, six times more likely to get charged, uh, convicted, overcharged, um, uh, convicted, and get longer sentences than our white counterparts. Yes. Um, and and three times more likely than uh, Latinos or uh, brown people. So don't get it twisted. We have it. Uh, we have it tough in this country. It's difficult for us, but you're right. Uh, I think 
Mr. Harris said it. We, you know, I'm I'm from the 60s. I feel like Groundhog Day. I feel like I'm fighting the same fight decade after decade after decade. I I I I I've already marched for uh, voters' rights. I, we already got that done. Right. I, we already got that done. Um, so we we're so it's it's exhausting, uh, and uh, but we still have to fight. Otherwise, we have to we'd have to lay down and die. And and I'm not I'm not prepared to do that. And I don't think any of you are either. Uh, so it's good to be here. It's good to be among uh, fellow warriors. Uh, uh, one of the things that it's good to be around you is, is encouraging and inspiring for me because as an attorney, I have to worry. You know, one of the things that we have to worry about is not just um, who we represent, uh, but it's what we represent, mm -hmm. right, right, brother Mac. We got to worry about. Um, we're not. We're, we we don't worry. I don't worry about who I represent because whoever it is is a human being that deserves my best. Um, but but they need to worry about what I represent. Uh, and I I'm here uh, by the glory of God. I'm here, and, and I let them know that. I'm not just an attorney. I'm a Christian attorney. You have not just someone that's willing to go in the courtroom and fight you, but go in the courtroom under the anointing of God. And I don't, when you and I leave one another, I pray for you. So I, I, uh, I know that uh, one of the things that I do best is uh, let my clients know that I'm. We're in the yoke together, and we're fighting this together. Yes. Um, and I and and I'm getting close to retirement, <laughs> or to slowing down. And so now I'm more live than ever. Uh, I'm in the courtrooms, actually calling <laughs> judges out and telling them this is structural racism on the record. Uh, I'm pointing out yeah. why it's structural racism on the record, and, and I'm telling the prosecutor why his advance in this argument is structurally racist on the record. Uh, so, and I'm letting them all know that my client is going to have a justifiable reason to appeal if they need to. Uh, so, I, I'm um, I'm excited to be a part of the fight. I'm excited to be a part of all of you and really, really pleased and happy to be here with you this evening. I'm so happy you're here with us too. Thank you. So I just brought in Larry. Hi, Larry. Larry. Hi, Larry. Hey, how are how are you? What up though? I'm, I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. So we're getting some feedback. So we're getting we some feedback. Hey now, bro. No, I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing plugged up. I don't have no elect no um okay just okay. the phone. All right, so everybody right. else so move. everybody else move. and I'll just talk to Larry. And I'll just talk to Larry. <laughs> Is it okay. still giving you some type okay. of feedback now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
And I don't know what it can be. I don't know what it can be from then. I don't okay, know where the feedback. I don't know. Are you on the speaker? Are you on the speaker? I'm on the speaker. I'm on the on the phone. I'm on I'm on the phone system. Oh, okay. I don't happen to I don't happen to have a laptop at this place where I'm at. Okay, no worries. No worries. Yes, no worries. Yes, no worries. Okay, so, I'm just trying to make so, make sure ain't no feedback. It's a little bit, but we won't worry about it. But we won't worry so, about it. So introduce yourself. Yeah. Introduce yourself. Excuse me, J Love. J Love. He could be on the speaker on the cell phone. Yeah, because I'm here. Yeah, because I'm here myself. But Larry, is it is it is it, is it better now? Yes. Yes. All right, I clicked the picture off. What? How y'all doing? My name Larry Darnell Smith Jr. I served 26 years, 10 months, and seven days in prison for a crime I ain't commit. Um, tomorrow's National Wrongful Conviction Day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to being on the panel. I'm looking forward to being around other people who have suffered, such as myself, and other people who family members have suffered. Because it's gonna be a, a nice turnout. I'm sure of that my mother be there representing Wayne Duck. Um, and I'll be there representing exonerees and innocent people in prison across the United States. Yes. So tell us a so little bit, us about, a little your bit story. about your story. Um, well, I was arrested in 1994. My mother asked me to go down to the police station. They called her. I was at work. She called me. I went down to the police station and uh, they went to talking about a murder. I had no information concerning a murder. I knew nothing about a murder. I had an attorney come to the police station. They sent the attorney away, said I couldn't see an attorney. Five months later during the process, the guy would say I confessed to him. I never met him before in my life. Uh, shortly after that, the officer would say that she found the statement that I would make, that I didn't read it, I didn't write it, I didn't sign it. It would be placed in somebody else's file for months. Uh, eventually, the Wayne County Conviction Integrity Unit would take a look at it after I had been denied all the way up to the feds and told to die in prison. So the CIU, they took it, it took them three years, and then I would go on to be released. And since I've been released, every day since I've been out, I fight to help innocent people, wrongfully convicted people, over-sentenced people. I scream it out every day, everywhere I go across this country. We've been to Boston, we've been to Missouri, free Kevin Strickland. Um, I mean, just the National Organization of Exonerees, a brother such as Aaron Stalkers, people such as Jay Love, it, it, it's just that fight and that power. And that's a little bit about my story is y'all people who gave me the motivation to come off the side of the bunk and talk that talk and represent for the people that's still in that place. Thank you. We so honored that's to right, have bro. you here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Larry. Push um, that envelope, bro. <laughs> attorney Mac or Attorney Payne, um, can you... Talk a little bit about how wrongful convictions happen. Well, I mean, I don't know my my uh, learned my learned colleague from from out west. She can go first. It doesn't matter, you know. For me. <laughs> well, um, I think this. I think uh, Larry Darnell Smith Jr. just described yes. <laughs> one of the perfect ways that it happens. Uh, one is that you're denied your rights from the beginning. Uh, two is, I don't know whether 
whether there was a, a lineup or whether there was some kind of way that he was uh, pointed out, but that was wrong because because he didn't do it. Uh, and um, and then we 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 bring it all the way up. We bring it from the police treatment of him to the prosecutor. And one of the things prosecutors do is charge no matter what the police bring to them. It doesn't have to, they don't have to recognize, they, prosecutors are supposed to be the arbiters of justice. Prosecutors are supposed to be the ones that look at what the police officer did. And if they did something wrong, throw it back in their face and say, this is wrong, we're not gonna charge this. And that teaches the police what they can and cannot get away with with the prosecutor. If they charge anything, then police can do anything they want to you. So it starts there, and this, and 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 then it moves from uh, them to your to the attorney. Where was the attorney when he was telling the attorney that I, I wasn't I wasn't there? I didn't do this. I didn't sign this. I didn't. I, it couldn't be me. Were they doing an appropriate inv independent investigation of their own? Did they believe him? One of the biggest problems with attorneys is uh, relative to implicit bias. White people don't be believe black people. Bottom line, they think we're liars. Bottom line, it, there's all kinds of data out there, there that supports this. So when you start talking about talking to uh, a, an indigent defense attorney. He may say, he, he, he may sound like he's listening or seem as though he's listening, but he's not. He's ticking the boxes and saying, uh, yeah, I did this, I did this, I did this, and let's move on. What kind of deal did he make with the prosecutor? When did he make the deal with the prosecutor? Um, did you go to, to trial? Did he try to convince you not to go to trial because he didn't feel like doing a trial um, and fighting for you? Um, when you got to the, if you had it, and, and the other big question is, when the prosecutor was making the deal with your attorney, was he pressuring him? Was he saying, okay, today is the day. This is it. You know, the deal is this. Whether you did it or not, the deal is this: you take it or you leave it. And if you and if you take it, you're gonna plead to something you didn't even do just because you're scared. Because jury trials are scary, and they could convict you, and you could get all day, you know. So, I, you know, when, and then once convict, while you're going through this process, is the judge looking over the process to make sure that it's done right? And did they did they give you the top of the line, the middle, or the lower end uh, of of uh, the sentencing guidelines? It's systemic. It happens all the way through the system, and 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 you get job or have the possibility of being job all the way through the system, and it and it happens every single day. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And if I can, is my turn, J-Lo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Look, um, let me just add this onto what um, 
my sister just said. You see, part of the, the problem is, is that when people talk about America and proud to be an American, and I'm proud to be an American for what America can be, we often take with us that theory of, I'm here because I'm better than you. I live in this neighborhood because I'm better than you. I got a better job because I'm better than you. My kids go to a better school than your kids because I'm better than you. You understand? See, we've got that sickness that, uh, I don't know if they call it that, that perverted Protestant work ethic, you know? I've advanced because I'm innately superior to you. It doesn't matter that your people never got that 40 acres and a mule. It doesn't make any difference. I'm better than you. It doesn't matter that Black Wall Street 100 years ago was burnt down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm still better than you. It doesn't matter that there's Rosewood, a thriving Black community in Florida where Black people were self-sustained. It doesn't matter. I'm better than you. It doesn't matter that in the 50s we put highways through black neighborhoods and started what we call tenement buildings, you understand, you see, and allowed me, a GI, to move out to the suburbs and get next to a zero interest loan where you, a black GI, you come back here and the Nazis got treated better than you who, who tried to kill you and everybody who looked like you. But America embraced the Nazis and brought them back. That's how we got our space program. Those Nazi card-carrying Nazis, all right, uh, humanity-hating Nazis were not only brought here, they were revered as great scientists, all right? So my my great-grandfather, if he had, uh, or grandfather, if he had fought in World War II, he would have come back and not had the same rights as a Nazi coming here from Germany, you understand? So what I'm saying is part of the problem that we have as a culture, when we sit on these juries, we have that mentality, and I don't, and it's so hard and frustrating for me as a defense attorney, because the judge won't let me go so far. See, I believe in extensive void deer, extensive void deer. You know, talking about, well, you know, some black people. Well, oh, how many do you know? I mean, you know, uh, you know, what's your relationship like? Oh, Judge, Mr. Mack is on a fishing expedition. No, I'm not. It's called the truth because I want to know about your implicit bias. I want to know that, well, you know, uh, well, you know, my favorite basketball player is Michael Jordan. And, and, you know, you know, so what? What does that, what the hell does that mean? So, so what I'm saying is, that's just an example of some of the things that I've come across, how people will say, you know, they can admire black people for maybe a physical attribute, a track star, or a baseball player, or a basketball player. But when it comes to acknowledging basic humanity, I am better than you. I didn't have to have three constitutional amendments to make me a human being. You did, all right? I am somehow better than you. And that is the implicit racism that comes in and it affects black people too, black people too, because I've had to bump many a black person off a jury, many a black person off a jury, okay? So don't be deceived, God is not mocked. You understand what I'm saying? And it's so hard, it's so hard, and I hate to say this, I, I do, particularly with my black people, it's so hard to try to get at them, to get to the root where some of them feel, yeah, he did it. You know, I worked at Ford for 30 years. Yeah, he did it. You know, that could have been my house. So mm -hmm. that, 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 that's the kind of thing that, uh, and I'm sure my sister can talk about that. It's not just with whites. 
it, it's a mojo that done worked on black folk that sit on these juries sometimes and they ain't got no problem sending somebody up as long as they ain't my son or my daughter. I don't talk too long. I apologize. <laughs> uh, you told us a real truth there, uh, Tony Matt, because I don't know how many times people ask me um, how you know he didn't do it or you wasn't there or, wow. you know, my aunt said her son didn't do it either. And, you know, like we don't have any empathy amongst, I mean, I'm talking about black people right now. Our empathy is low and we don't listen. That's why we're here because we're trying to get you to listen. <laughs> if somebody said, I am, I didn't do it, <laughs> mm -hmm. listen, because <laughs> there are so many people who did not do it. That's right. That's, That's why right. Aaron Sartre is here right here, right now. That's right. He didn't do it. Larry, Larry didn't do it. You know, we're, we're talking about exonerees that's been in prison 20, 30, some 40 years for crimes that they didn't do. And we were asked somebody, well, how you didn't know? <laughs> so Aaron. I'm here. Mom. You want to say anything um, about what we're talking about? I say, you want to say anything about what we're talking about? Um, I do want to say this, and I just want to um, just put everybody on notice, like, um, as far as with the exonerees, uh, we actually out here doing things, um, and we were not really asking for people to do stuff for us, like, we just asking for help, like, we trying to create our own um, reentry program, and we just need the community help, because we got to help ourselves, as well as our families, like, we meant that you know, maybe was getting in trouble or doing things. Cause I had a record before I went to prison, um, which not excuse, but all of that was nonviolent. I did everything that was on me was nonviolent. Um, but with that, you know, I was able to get a natural life sentence along with two counts of great bodily harm to commit murder. So I basically was charged for three people, a crime that I didn't commit and it was on three people. So that's three people that um, basically have a killer that's still out here. Um, and it's just sad, though, because, you know, they just attacked us to the poor, you know. And I understand why they, you know, a lot of people might be scared of black men rising to where they need to be at. Because I'm just looking at, um, like, the national, the Zonnerie National Order. And I'm just looking at things. And I'm like, these great men, like. All of us that's been exonerated, like I really don't see too many guys other than great men and all of these great men like me, including Larry Smith, like we would have died in prison, like if it wasn't for the conviction integrity unit. So I want everybody to see us and realize that y'all are really seeing ghosts. Like if, if it was up to the justice system, like we wouldn't be home. Like I was fighting appeals, I was in federal courts. And I couldn't even get an evidentiary hearing, whereas the victim in my crime would show a single photograph of me lined up. I wasn't there, nothing, um, never involved in a crime or nothing, never involved in no shooting or nothing that was violent. Um, but I managed to be put in a lineup in a neighborhood that I didn't even stay in um, and get picked out. This guy was never asked. Um, you know, as far as if he can comprehend, can he read, can he write? Because none of that stuff even matter because it's an attack on us. Like, let's be real. 
and we need everybody's support like behind us um so that we can reach our highest heights you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that stuff matter like we out here throwing programs um spending our own money on housing and we doing a lot of stuff that we really don't have to do and the reason we doing that is because like we not some weak um people dependent um type of people that you know need everybody to point us the way like we taking away and we doing it ourselves like we was in there receiving programming receiving um assault offenders classes and we was doing all that stuff just so we could better ourselves and come out here prepared because guys like me like i knew i was coming home you know what i mean i didn't have the evidence all of that stuff to get me home but i just knew like my faith and my spirit and everything i did to help guys i just started helping people like out here like i was helping people in there because my thing was like i understand the system i understand the game that they playing with the black man they're making us poor they holding us back from jobs and then they falsely uh, persecute us like who, how can we possibly defend ourselves uh, from a situation like that. For one, you handicapping us financially, and then you just putting a case on us that, you know, we ignorant to the law. I, I, when I was 21, I was ignorant to the law because I was too busy trying to go to college and play football for the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. Like, I didn't have time to study and do all this and do that. You know what I mean? But it's just a shame. And that's why my organization and every organization that any design and restart is so important because you're looking at guys that's been annoyed. Like, it's not a lot of people that actually come out of prison. It's not a lot of people that can say that they got overturned or they got exonerated from a natural life sentence. Like, it's not a lot of people that can say that. And by us volunteering our time and volunteering, you know, our whole way of life, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is the career that I chose. You know, I could have went and worked at Ford. I could have had plenty of good jobs, but this is the career I chose because helping others that have been through what I've been through is extremely therapeutic, and it helps me yes. to reacclimate to being out here, you know? So... I, I do want to add to what you were saying. Um, you know, I heard how you were saying, like in particular black men, the struggles you guys have. And um, I feel like black men, black women, um, those in the LGBTQ plus community um, who are black, we all have our unique struggles, but it's important to acknowledge um, each other's struggles and to understand each other's struggles. And what I mean by that is, I mean, like, so with black men, I know um, you know, black men, men in general are held to a higher standard. We all know that America, just how the world is set up. But uh, that doesn't mean that you guys don't have struggles. Of course you do. And of course women do. We know that. But we need to start looking deeply at where they start and stop, uh, stop, um, like stop the problem. So how is it, where's the entry gate and the exit point or the end point? Of course, prisons, uh, exit or endpoint, depending on the situation. Um, entry point, uh, the police, that encounter. And looking at specifically Black men, I know where I live, Southfit, for example, very Black. But we got to hold each other accountable on this. Um, back to that point with you too, Jay, like about 
Black people was holding each other accountable because Southfield's 70% Black. Guess who's 80% of arrests in the last decade? Black men. Only Black men. Like, that is 86% of arrests from 2010 to 2020 was Black men. White women, less than 5% of arrest citations. That is insane. Why is there a highlight? Why are we, why is Black men the focus? And it is very sad and is like just very um, difficult for me to wrap my head around. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, that's what I mean when I say we have to look at each other's struggles and acknowledge each other's struggles and help each other. Fighting alongside each other congruently is one thing, but we got to fight together. Mm. Not just running alongside each other. We got to do it strategically smarter and stop making things harder. So um, I know I'm going to try my best to do my part, but uh, just wanted to say that to say I'm here with y'all. Um, I'm uh, trying my best to understand um, and do what I can uh, to make things better for y'all. Yeah. Amen. Ooh, so we've got to go back to, and this, even though I feel like a lot of it is on us as Black people, right, as far as not really joining together with each other and not really raising our voices, but also, too, you got to understand, people, we have been forgotten about for so long. And I think that's what it is for some. They just like, forget it. People going to do what they want to do anyways. And we just got to keep encouraging people that no matter what, you got to raise your voice, you know? And we talked about it on the show the other day that we, we always go hard in the paint on legislators and everybody else. And it's like, you put the legislator in there one or two ways because you voted or you did not vote. So we got to challenge ourselves, right, to do better in these areas and really, really, like you said, be strategic and come together. It's so, it's people over here doing something, people over here doing And that's cool, but when they look at us divided, they're like, they don't want nothing. They ain't trying to do nothing. But I'm telling you, if we come together, oh my gosh, we could shock the whole world. We can take this thing over by storm. And I believe, because I believe God, not the God up there in the sky that everybody be praying to. I'm talking about the God Mm -hmm. in you, the God in me, coming together as one, using our gifts. Let me tell you something. I don't care if it's singing. I don't care if it's speaking. I don't care if it's giving. Everything that God gave me, I'm going to use for this fight. And I'm not no outlier because you got gifts too. So all you got to do is dig deep past some of that trauma and other stuff and get into this fight because we need all hands on deck. We need all hands on deck and our black people stop playing. I know some of us have gotten comfortable because we got cars and clothes and all this other stuff. Let me tell you something, that stuff can be ripped from you in a heartbeat and the wrongful conviction might not be you today, but it can be you tomorrow. Get up off your tail and get busy, all of us. That's right. Show up tomorrow. Tomorrow, come on down tomorrow. We down there tomorrow. Where we at to get in, Trishay? Tell them where we at. We are at WC3D Northwest Campus, 8200 Outer Drive West, Detroit, Michigan, 48219. That's right off Outer Drive West and South uh, Southfield Freeway. So come on out, y'all. We got to stand together, and I'm excited because we're doing it. Yeah. At October 14th. October 14th, we're going to have a rally up in Lansing. 
I don't know if y'all can hear me. It seems like it's messing up. Let me click that camera. No, we can hear you, bro. Can y'all hear me now? Yes. Okay, yeah, October 14th, we'll be at Lansing at the Capitol from 12 to 3. And we rallying for against these wrongful convictions. We want to bring attention to these medically frail prisoners, the over sentence, and we want to have a second look legislation. We want the governor, we want the legislator, we want those people up in Lansing to look at, and we want the public to give people a second chance. You know, certain people like Hugo Mack, he had a second chance. Sam Riddle, a second chance. Aaron Saunders, Larry Darnell Smith Jr. So we want to get that to the people. And I look forward to Dennis VC coming home soon. Good friend of mine. And the rest of the wrongfully convicted. And I just wanted to throw out there, um, just to add this to the announcements, uh, Detroit Sisterhood Collective is doing a Reproductive Rights March tomorrow as well. And it's going to be on Woodward Avenue in Detroit. Open mic protests, um, but also mass strategy sessions to figure out you know, what the next steps are, you know, to fight these people in the streets, but also in the offices. Mm -hmm. Also um, holding elected officials accountable, holding the people in the cities accountable who voted for these people and making sure people turn out to vote in November. Um, so that's Detroit Sisterhood Collective. That is tomorrow um, in the afternoon. And it's going to be on Woodward Avenue. Um, definitely check that out if you have time after the summit or before. Um, either way, check out both. Yes. Revitia. We can't hear you, Rabbit. Okay, here we go. Oh my goodness. Listen, I, I'm so glad you called on me because this has been so good. <laughs> I, I think that um, because we're giving action steps, we're giving action steps. There, there is something that, that you can do. We can no longer go through life feeling like we are helpless. And I'm so glad with when people come out that they're taking steps to do something different, to make changes. Um, we are forced now because discrimination is slapping us up in the face at such a level that we have to make a change. You can't just ignore it anymore. And, and I believe that, you know, the pandemic made us see. It mm -hmm. forced us to look. It yeah. forced us to pay attention. Right. So now what are we going to do with it? At the same time, no that you have to personally, as you're out here and you're doing what God has called you to do, take some time, care for yourself, get balanced because it, it's no joke and people are suffering and there's a lot of trauma. And when you go, there are studies that have proven that people, once they go in and they're incarcerated, they come out of incarceration with more trauma than what they went in with. No one's, there's no rehabilitation. So we have to know what our community is dealing with and we, and love is still the answer all day, every day. But how you love, don't tell me you love me and you don't have any action behind it. Love is action. Yes, and is. if you're not acting on your love, then I'm questioning, you know, what's your definition of love? Right. <laughs> right, love I love you guys. I'm so glad you're calling me because you know I got to go. Right. 
Right. We'll see you next Everybody Friday. be blessed. I'll be back next Friday. I love you. We love you too, Rabbit Tia. All right. Bye-bye. Dwight. Yes. Would you like to add to the conversation? <laughs> <laughs> I'd just like to listen. Um, when I think about, you know, when I came home 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I'll be home 10 years, November 16th. And um, all the work I used to do during that time, it wasn't nobody out here fighting like that. I'm talking about it wasn't nobody. And so uh, to see everybody on that platform now, it's, uh, it's an exuberating feeling. Yeah. To, um, and I just love to see everybody. I sit back and look. Um, and all the work I've done and all the people I've met, I um I talk to them about a lot of the things. A lot of people don't know what prison reform is. As of two years ago, a lot of legislations and people didn't really know what it was until I explained to them what prison reform is. We've been trying to reform prison since I had went to prison over 25 years ago, where there was all these prison movements and these organizations that were ran by Caucasian women. And that was because people didn't believe in the fight for people in prison. We never had this many people on the outside talking about helping somebody in prison. It was times I needed help. I couldn't reach to nobody to talk about help me do something. You only had American friends. I love American friends. Uh, K. Perry and them, man, they soldiers in this fight. And a lot of times, a lot of people don't speak about them. Uh, and a lot of the prison organizers, National Lifers Association, helped change a lot of the policies and stuff in prison. These things have been going on. We've been fighting. We've been fighting civil rights in prison, all my prison bed. I was in out the hole because I refused to be treated like a dog in prison. I spent a lot of time in segregation during my incarceration. I just preserved myself. I never allowed the condition to break me down, break my physical down, my mind down to make me look old. Always did everything to preserve myself. So I never was locked up, but I refused to submit to a lot of the the uh the oppression of the oppression that we go we we actually uh experience real life racism the way that people in this society have never seen it you just heard about it mm-hmm. in prison you face racism every day when we had caucasian men wearing uh leather gloves up in url they used to wear all oh, these black coats you know, and so we used to fight. It's only a small percentage of us that fought those men, those those Caucasian big old men up north. These were real life stories that I be wanting to bring people with, uh, and y'all hearing it now because y'all feeling this pain that a lot of mothers have been feeling for years, like Aunt Mother. All it took All was it- him to come home, man. She well now. I mean, for real, like. She was on the cane and everything. We had to help her to the car, all that. 
If you see his mother now, you wouldn't even think none of that was all it was. He just needed a baby to come home. Not only do we suffer the trauma, our family suffer trauma. We, our whole community going mm -hmm. suffering trauma and mental illnesses. They just discovering that we had actual mental illnesses. People were suffering from uh, temporary insanity and stuff and going to prison. You talking about qualified immunity? How we gonna qualify the police that kill so many black people around this country and say that we gonna qualify them to be immune because they serve and protect? When they done killed our people, they done stumped us out. They killed brothers and sisters in prison. I was in the supermax. They killed two people. Right on the rock I was in. Right on the rock. Yeah. And we said we're going to hold, we're going to say they're immune because they protect and serve. But they have rules. They're trained to protect and serve. So there's no way that we should be harmed in the community. So why would we hold them immune to prosecution when something happened to one of us in the community? Right. You see? So it's the ideology, the legislative ideology. Legislators told us the other day, me and Linda Sturmer, which is an exoneree, <laughs> she said that a lot of people have came to the legislature. They said, yeah, I've been a legislator and I spoke on the Senate floor. But nobody has represented us yet to cause the legislation to want to do anything. And so this is from me to you, because I'm over there. They said the white, we're not hearing the proper language. We're putting people up there because of education. Let me tell you this. Real advocates and activists didn't come from college like that. They came straight from the community. And some came from the churches. Mm -hmm. They were grassroots. They wasn't made from college. When you go to college, you train to think this way in this curriculum when it comes to America. Right. Unless you go through those sociology courses with Cornell West, one of the best philosophers in today in sociology that speaks about us studying and going deep down inside ourselves and bringing it out. Not dealing with the surface work of what mere men say, the pebbles that they see in their mind when it comes to, to community and people, but the deep, deep suffering that you feel that those people feel when we fight that fight. And we never, like to say, that time when we was up at Adrian and they talking about leaving, she said, I ain't trying to hear that. No, we're not rebelling. That's not rebellion. That's a natural reaction when you're trying to save somebody's life. Yes. Man, I talk to these boys every day calling from prison. And all they talk about is wanting to get out. They were kids when they went to prison. They were kids. These boys was, I don't care if they did do it. They were children. They would never kill that way again. They would never do what they did before, even if they did do it on purpose. And the prime example is that is all these lifers is out right now that been coming home in the last 15 years that have never killed, have been killed again. Not only that, something I've been telling people, I've been in the street all my life, I ain't wrong for the convicted. 
I was wrongfully incarcerated. But a lot of my friends didn't come to prison. And they did worse things than I did. So what I'm saying, the example of that is, you don't have to come to prison to be corrected. These guys get two, three bodies, they didn't kill people. I'm talking about, but they preachers and stuff. They in the church. They got families. So everybody didn't go to prison. So that you know, everybody didn't get caught for the murders. Some people went for other people's murders. But those people that did it, they live in different lives now. I know a lot of people like that. Because all I knew was bad people. Because that's all I did as a kid. You know what I mean? So this fight is the fight for life. And it's the new civil rights fight. That's our that's new civil rights movement. We pushing it. And thanks to the brother, the National Zion Reorganization, they're going across the country with it. Because we have more, more wrongful convictions right here in Wayne County. And more of that was overturned here, too. So mm -hmm. this is the mecca when we're talking about wrongful convictions being overturned. Mm -hmm. And there's more, many more that need to be overturned here. And we're the ones that are bringing that forward with the awareness. Right. Because Michigan, actually, um, last year, 2020, Michigan was number two for exonerations. And the majority of them came from Wayne County. So. Um, hey, hey. AJ Love. Yes. Since yes. since we on here, hey, hey, I ain't I didn't I didn't holler at Dwight. Hey, bro. Hey, bro, bro. Um, I wanna I wanna say this, and then hopefully somebody will play this for Valerie Newman, play this for Kim Worthy, um, Charlie Wilson. Yeah. Charlie Wilson was convicted based on the testimony of the same person who's cost me to spend twenty six years, ten months and seven days in prison for a crime I ain't commit. Charlie Wilson should have a second look. His case should be reopened, and Charlie Wilson should be released. I agree with that. He's I got one. Time in and in that case, it's like a lot of people, um, yeah. a lot of the people at the top know about it, they know. but it's just timing. Uh, like Ken Worthy said, there's so many cases, so many issues that she deal with, and she look over everyone. Nobody else look over it. She had last say. So it's just a process. Uh, now, I know people don't want to hear that after they've been in there for so long and they know they didn't do it. Seeing so many people come home, that's really stressful for those, those brothers and sisters that's in there that's wrongfully convicted. So... Mm -hmm. And we got to keep in mind, one of the things we got to keep in mind with this platform, what's needed is housing. And uh, that's what we doing with Innocent Maintain. Uh, housing is needed. And uh, two years ago and seeing his plight from day one until now, one of the most needed things was how there were so many barriers and gaps, some, so many barriers that were going on there that if we have housing, that designers will have a more easier uh adjustment and coming home and dealing with all those things. One of the things I want us to talk about with a lot of family members before people come home is this. We got to remember that the family was the ones that let them guys down first. Mm. So a lot of people is apologizing, but the family haven't apologized. Now this real talk, y'all, real talk. And these boys, a lot of the issues that come be right there centered at family because that wound hasn't been healed. 
We talk about everybody else healing, but just remember some of them boys, especially those rape cases, them boys went through a lot of stuff in there about rape and they didn't even do it. Do you know what they went through on those cases? So we got to keep in mind that the family was the first one to say, hell no, he did it. Because the way they put their evidence, they made everybody believe it. So we got to remember that feeling that that's lying inside of them when they come home. And we can't be so hard when they, man, it be so many things they go through. And a lot of the family and people close take it personal. We never give the Zonerees air to breathe because we feel like they just want all this love, but they be getting so much love to the point they just want to be free. Mm -hmm. It ain't like they trying to push nobody off, but freedom is just giving the room. You got to remember what we were going through in there. Right. We were watched 24 seven. Every time we come outside, they had the gun pointing at us. We had to subconsciously hold that in our mind for all these years, especially for people that didn't do it, right. to come home for somebody to say, hey, get up, let's go do this. We think that that's a hell of a thing. But in his mind, he might have had something else planned. But we we dictated, he gonna go there because that's that's love. But real love is freedom, to, to free them up so they can make their own decisions. You see what I'm saying? Right now they're not. They come home, they want to make a change. That's all these boys thinking about. They ain't really thinking about no money right now. By the time they get to the money, them being so invested in their passion, in the work, it becomes confusing. Real talk. It, they become confusing. And if we don't have all these uh, programs and resources set up for them, then what's going to happen then is to be a failure, especially financially and economically, dealing with this platform. This platform is multi-million, that potentially hundreds and hundreds of million dollars on this platform. More and more to come. So what do we do with the platform? Where, where are we going? Mm -hmm. You see, what's the vision? Right. What are we trying to change legislatively? Yeah. What are we doing to change legislation? We just talking or we involved? Are we involved financially? It politics ain't talk. You know what I'm saying? Real talk mm -hmm. though. Right. We're, we're, we're activists. We ain't running for no office. We pushing the envelope of accountability. Mm -hmm. We holding people accountable. Right. But we being real about it, though. There's no education. We ain't talking about education. We just people from the community that have a passion for the change. Which means that you don't have to have went to college. College went through us. Right. We teach college. We the ones that the college students, the college students gonna look at and say, "What did Jay Love do?" What was what did Trish do? How did they make that change? Who was the ones that started that change? That new civil rights movement. Who were the lawyers? Who were the activists? What did they say? What were the substance of their words? What did they do? Did they hold to their word? Did they keep up with their followers? 
what they said did they do? What Trish to say say she did it. What J Love say what she do, that's what she do. What innocent maintain say that's what they do because it's strictly ran by passion. Mm -hmm. I ain't gonna, you know, so it, that's 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 what we doing. Yes. And we stepping on it though. Yeah. We bring every, a mind every day to the awareness of this. Right. Until we get everybody in Detroit minds on it. Right. That's what we doing. So we're going to hit it every day. We're going to say somebody. We're going to post about it every day. You know? We winning, though. We're right. going to win. Like, we're not going to lose. You know? We're not going to take a side when it comes to politics, liberal or conservatively. We don't do we gonna look at what's the truth. Right. We ain't gonna let nobody lead our minds when we straight up grassroots. We ain't got no base like that. See, we grassroots. We making this movement. Mm -hmm. We making the moment a movement. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we doing. We started with one moment. Right. I love you, baby. I love you too, Gerard. You know. <laughs> I'm getting you out of there. That you know one of them. Right. That's where the passion started with the love. Right. This ain't got nothing to do with nothing else but love. Trisay. There ain't nothing but love in her. <laughs> that fire. That fire. <laughs> like, you know, see, that's the stuff we're gonna talk about after. That's the end. What made you do it? Yeah. How did you do it? Yeah. You know, what how you do it, Trisay? Hey. What, what was on your mind? You know. It's just what we doing not can't be told right now. Other people can say about what you doing. They'll be like, you be like, what you you say I did what? Oh, thank you. Like you can't even take the honor and applause to it because you're doing it right now. Those people can be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They doing it for that. They doing it for the applause. Like I don't know, there's nothing I can't applaud it because it's what we do 24-7. You know, so. We just continue to work, keep up the work. I like, I like just, I be taking it back a little bit. I don't be seeing that much. I like to post a lot ideas. Uh, I'm influence a lot of people's minds with things I say, but it's real though. Everybody on here real. And I love Thank you, everybody. Dwight. I love everybody. We love you too. <laughs> So we're going to get ready to come to a close. Uh, Attorney Payne, would you like to leave us with something? Well, I, I, I thank you for all the encouragement. As I said, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm heading into the fourth quarter of my life. And, <laughs> and um, um, you know, sometimes we run out of gas, but I'm encouraged to know that uh, there's somebody there that's picked up the baton and is running on. Uh, all of you young people that are engaged and involved and working hard, it's, that's encouraging for me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I appreciate you and, and, and uh, all that you're doing. I'm excited to know that my son, uh, when he gets out, will have some touchstones. Uh, he'll have some people to reach out to uh, and I can hand him some names of people that that are doing things uh, that help him transition uh, out. I recognize that um, 
I can't, I can't possibly know uh, what he's going through. Um, in fact, he doesn't share a lot about what he's going through. Um, but uh, I know that his experiences aren't much different than anybody else's. Yeah. Um, and 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 um, uh, so I, I'm I'm encouraged by all that you're doing. Um, and I and I will continue to pray and uplift you. I'm excited about this rally on the 14th. <laughs> I'm excited about the rally tomorrow. Yes. Um, I, I I'm sorry I can't be there, but um, I I uh, I know that it's going to be successful, and I know that it's going to touch the the lives and the hearts and the people that you need to touch. Yes. Uh, that is my prayer for you. Thank you for allowing me to be here. I I love all of you. Um, we love you too, Attorney Payne. God bless you, sister. Bless you. And you hopefully know, we'll see you I again know. soon. I hope so. Okay. Amen. <laughs> Attorney, go ahead. Uh, that was Larry. Can y'all yeah, hear okay. me? Yes. I can just, let me turn my mic. I can turn my camera off. You all hear me better that way? Oh, we can hear you. We just closing hoping, out. Okay, yeah, I'm hopeful. To, I'm hopeful tomorrow that we can approach some of these attorneys who are gonna be there and find out how many of them like to take pro bono cases, or how many pro bono cases they have been taking. They be want to take pictures with me, and I want to know if they want to take some cases. And when I ask them, when I ask them, it's like it's easy to blow me off. But let's see how they start blowing me off in person when I'm asking them in front of everybody. I hear you. Well, we'll see you tomorrow, Larry. Thank you for joining us. I'm sure looking forward to it. Absolutely. Oh. Bring up my crowd with me. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Attorney Hugo Matt. Well, I want to say my sister in law speak. It really helped to encourage me because. Uh, she and I probably close to the same age, you know, and so we we coming into that fourth quarter. But you know what? What I know, the more that I try to develop relationship with God and Jesus Christ, you know that the Lord can make a fifth quarter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he, he can make a fifth quarter. Know yeah. what I'm saying? He can he can extend that time, and just like he had Moses raise his hand and stop the sun, stop the sun. Okay, see what I'm saying? For the fight to go on, so I'm encouraged with that. See what I'm saying? Right. I'm encouraged with what, with what the sister said, and and you know, and the thing for me that I'm so grateful to be here, because I realize that my job is not over yet. You know, <laughs> my job is not over yet. There's some young man or young woman out there that right now is going through hell. Yeah. Done wrong getting pimped over in the worst possible way, the worst possible way, okay? You know, and they are hoping for somebody to come along and believe in them, see? And see, that's the thing with me that keeps me going. You know, I mean, I've had opportunities to retire and, 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 and you know, some people want me to retire <laughs> for, their own, for their own reasons, you know? You know, you know, we tired of that end, you know, get, get out of here, whatever. But, but I'm saying that, it's always the thought of that one young man or woman that is literally defenseless. 
Yeah. That is what led me to be a criminal defense attorney and a public defender in the first place. Right. Because growing up in Ann Arbor, growing black, growing up black, I saw so many times when we were simply defenseless, just at the word of somebody else, some teacher, some principal, you know, some somebody's mama or daddy who had status and I didn't have no status, just a you know, a, a black kid amongst a group of black, amongst a group of black kids. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, so that's what keeps me going. And that's why I can't put it down. I can't put it down because I know I'm going to look back and I'm going to see somebody's face in that crowd that said, I needed you, um, Attorney Mac. I needed you. So, you know, I'm, I'm here uh, as long as the Lord have me here. And I want to thank you, Jay Love and, and Trisha and, and everybody that, we're here together and, and, and you know, the the battle is going on, but in the end, we're going to win this war. Yes, we I are. Know that's right. I know that's right. Thank you, Attorney Mac. Trisha, it's the end of the day. So what you got to say? <laughs> oh, a poet. Look at this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm shocked, J-Love. I'm shocked. I know. <laughs> well it's been a good day it's been a blessed day and uh we just gotta keep keeping on yeah whatever we do we gotta do it together so tomorrow we need you to be back with us in person at WC3D Northwest Campus. That is 8200 Outer Drive West, Detroit, Michigan, 48219. We're going to be there from 12 to 1 with the Parade of Loved Ones, where you'll be able to circulate the tables and hear from the loved ones who are suffering as well. And sort of a networking hour. And then 1 to 4 p.m. on time, promptly, we will be starting into the summit uh, because we're just excited. And as it says, make us whole. We are going to be addressing the needs of the wrongful conviction community. And if you are in the community, then you're a part of the wrongful conviction community as well. So we need to see you on tomorrow. Amen. Amen. Yes. Thank you, Trisha. Thank you. So we're going to end it tonight. Um, I want to thank all our guests that was here. It was so much that we uh, that was unloaded. Um, so tomorrow on Wrongful Conviction Day, just remember some of these stories and come to the um, summit if you're um, in the area and um, just get more educated about wrongful convictions. And um, thank you, guys. Thank you and God bless. Y'all God be safe. Thank you, Jay. Love you all. Uh... Love you.